What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. Alongside, as always, my co-host, John LaRocca. What is going on? Things are great, man. How are you? Good. Things are going good. We have a... Uh, mostly pro wrestling show. Uh, the, the, there's not. There was a actually. There was actually a boxing card tonight in Miami. Demetrius Andre won his fight, um, but you know it wasn't super newsworthy or anything. Uh, but outside of that fight, you know, there's not a lot going on in in MMA and in boxing uh, this week. So we're just mostly going to talk pro wrestling. Um, the uh, the first thing I kind of wanted to point out is that uh, if you follow the Fight Game podcast, um, uh, I'm sorry, the Fight Game Media Facebook page, Twitter account, and Instagram account, you'll notice a new icon. And the icon is is pretty interesting. Uh, my cousin's husband, uh, Dan, he does a lot of the graphics. Uh, historically, he's done tons of graphics for me. And he came up with this idea because I told him, I said, you know, we have we do a podcast and it's two of us. And, you know, we, we have pretty good chemistry. So he created this idea of having a set, like one set of headphones with two microphones where the ears are. And I think it looks pretty cool. So that's kind of like the the uh the uh, the logo or the icon or, or the graphic or whatever whatever you want to call it of of the podcast we're going to start using that it's not entirely fleshed out he's still going to do some stuff to it but i kind of wanted to put it out there just to see if we got any feedback about it so check that out i call it the headphone masterpiece which is actually a, a name of an old cody chestnut uh cd from anyone who is following r&b music in the late 90s um, and yeah, we'll have, we'll have more art for the podcast, for the website. The website will uh, will get a facelift at some point too. It's a little bit outdated, but uh, but you know, we're kind of we, we got to move slow. Um, so a couple of other things before we get started. So last week we kind of took the week off for our we want flair segment. We're going to do three weeks on, one week off, and that's going to be for just about every month. So. Uh, we didn't. We were not on last week. We'll be on again this week. We will start talking about Flair and Fujinami, the Super Bowl Super Brawl match. But if you want to hear the entire first uh, first month of We Want Flair segments on the Flair Fujinami Tokyo Dome show, just another reminder that it is up there on our YouTube page, uh, YouTube front slash uh, Fight Game Media, and you can find it there. All of those segments kind of put together in in one show. So uh, another uh, last uh, last couple things, just uh, the all the great pieces that we had this week from Justin Nipper, who wrote about Cyber Agent uh, acquiring Noah, and I think Noah is actually on the uh, DDT Universe stream now. The the their uh, their own uh, channel, the uh, uh, their stream network. Uh, and so he wrote it there. Actually, he actually beat uh, a lot of the websites to to the punch on on the story. So I thought that was actually really cool. Justin got that up there. Uh, our buddy uh, Paul Ace Fontaine had an interesting piece today on uh, Tessa Blanchard, and uh, you know just the idea that you know is is she as TNA or not TNA Impact Champion mm-hmm. good good overall for women's wrestling or not. And then uh, Robert Silva, earlier in the week, he did his uh, super lightweight series, uh, second best fighter. Uh, check that out. 
And then uh, we're not going to talk about the Royal Rumble tonight or Worlds Collide because we did a podcast Sunday night with Paul and Justin as well. So if you want to hear our analysis and kind of our hot takes based on, you know, we only recorded it a couple hours after the show ended, Royal Rumble ended. So check that out uh, in our feed. So we will lead off um, with some WrestleMania stuff. Now, last year, you and I, we did a segment called The Road to WrestleMania, where we looked at the WrestleMania card every week and sort of where they stood with matches, with angles, with segments. And we're not going to really do that this year. But whenever there is something newsworthy about that show, we will discuss it. And uh, Dave's uh, newsletter came out a day early. Actually, I'm actually not sure why he published Wednesday instead of Thursday this week, because he usually waits for that uh, that that uh, ratings news that he gets on the Wednesday shows. But it went up Wednesday night, and he had the first, I guess, what is it, four, five, five matches that are already um, that he's already been able to to validate. Uh, based off of coming out of uh, the Royal Rumble. Now, did you see the Edge and Randy Orton segment from Raw? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. Definitely. So the entire show... Now, again, I'm not watching three hours of Raw. I'm watching the 90-minute Hulu version, which is actually a really good show. I was so impressed at how that show moves at 90 minutes. And I was like, wow. Like, if I, you know, it, it made me a little, a, a little, I guess... I was thinking, well, maybe I should watch three hours. And then I was like, no, what am I thinking of? Like the night that the reason why the show was so good is because it was 90 minutes. So um, so I was very I, I really enjoyed kind of getting back into the swing of things with Raw. And I'll have to do that with Smackdown, too. I'll watch the uh, the Hulu version of Smackdown sometime this weekend. But the edge, the build up to edge and, and the, the little uh, historical you know, packages about his career and then building up to that end segment, to the main event segment with him coming out and then Randy Orton coming out and then Randy Orton, um, you know, giving him the RKO and, and laying him out and everything. That was just so well done. Like, I can't remember the last time I saw an angle on WWE, uh, on Raw, where I felt like, wow, you know, we're all sort of smart wrestling fans, but man, I, that that felt like, you know, there was something there. Like, I, I was kind of mad at Randy Orton for doing that. And, uh, yeah, just both of those guys were so good on Monday. Yeah, no, I liked it. I liked how they, uh, they, they turned quickly. It wasn't something that's going to be dragged out for weeks. Uh, sometimes it's good to drag things out for weeks and and build that anticipation for a turn. But there's also sometimes the the shocking turns, and and this one worked out perfectly. And I thought uh, Randy was was great. Edge was great. Um, I liked how it picked up the intensity. How it became more violent. Um, it was a big time angle, and um, you know, with Edge only doing you know, I guess he's gonna be wrestling a lot more than first reported, but. He's still not going to be wrestling full full time, so you know this is you know a way to make him off TV and build up to his return in a few weeks. I don't know how long that's going to be, but uh, I'm looking forward to this match. I think they're going to have a, a really good match at WrestleMania. Um, I think it's going to be one of the better matches on the night. The other thing that worked with this angle is the fact that Edge's wife Beth 
is an announcer on NXT because they opened the show, the NXT show, with her thoughts on on the weekend. It was sort of like uh, an up and then a down weekend because they were so, you know, they were both really great in the Royal Rumble and then the angle on Raw. And now, like, she's got to she's got to do this broadcast where she's really upset at her husband at what happened to her husband. So I thought, you know, that tied in very well, too. And I and I, my guess is that Beth will be at some point a, a part of this storyline. Uh, you know, historically, Randy Orton has brought family members into into things. Uh, John Cena's dad or Stephanie McMahon. You know, at some point, Beth is may, may eat an RKO or may eat a DDT or something. Um, but she's I mean, she's good. So it, it'll, it'll be it'll be good stuff because uh, I think she she, you know, she gets it and um, she knows how to be a performer. Uh, and so that is one of I don't even know if you would call it one of the main events. Maybe they will try to sell it as one of the main events. But, you know, with Edge Edge coming back, he's got a sweet deal, you know, something around three million dollars a year to do, uh, you know, to do not a ton. And 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 hopefully they will utilize his appearances uh, very well uh, over the over the I guess. What are we? We're still, what, two months away from Mania? So over the next two months. Um and it sort of uh, reinvigorated Randy Orton. I haven't seen him this, uh, I guess I would say, this impressive in uh, in a feud or in a skit or something that he could really sink his teeth into. Uh, he hasn't been this good in a while, so I'm glad that that he, you know, you can tell that he sees something a little extra special in this in this feud and and it's not like he hasn't been in top wrestlemania stuff before you know over the years the bray wyatt thing was only a few years ago but this thing really it seemed like he's like okay like this this is going to be fun and and he he was on his a game yeah he's looking you know forward to working with his buddy um as a hot angle uh a, a big time angle so yeah, he's definitely motivated, and uh, you know he wasn't really doing too much lately. Um, they kind of dropped whatever he was doing with Ricochet, which I thought was actually pretty interesting, and I wanted to see them finish, finish that story, but they never they never really did, in, in my opinion. But but this this is more to his wheelhouse. This is you know Randy Orton's a big time player, so this is a big time angle, and like I said, I'm really excited for this match, and uh, you know they, they're gonna have really good chemistry, and and uh, you know you know. Edge first time working with someone, getting back in the ring, and uh, who's who, who better to be in there with a a true ring general like Randy Orton? And then the other matches so far, uh, obviously, it's going to be Brock and Drew. Uh, you know, Drew kind of did the little promo about, "Wow, you know, pinch me, I can't believe it." Which I don't know if I necessarily like that part. I did not like this promo at all. Yeah, this it, was it, WWE's one of their big mistakes when they they get a new baby, they get. Just have him be Drew bef- of before. Yeah, he came out and he's smiling. And he's trying to be funny. And he's trying to like relate to the people more. Like, no, we relate to him because we, we he was a, a a badass. You know. Yep. Yeah. Like we want that intensity out of him, and I just think that was, this was a this was a, a huge misfire. And I'm I'm surprised Paul let that happen. You know, I, I'm surprised honestly. I just this whole thing didn't didn't work for me at all. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like to see him in that. I can't believe this, you know, I am in the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah, like that that thing kind of bothered me. That really bothered me. I just wanted to say, hey, I told you guys I was going to do this. And I told you guys I'm not scared of Brock Lesnar, you know, and, and I, I'm the man eliminating him. And now I'm going to be the man that's going to take his championship. Like, just keep the intensity up. Like, he, Drew's a great promo. 
he was like, I don't know if you remember his indie run when he came, you know, kind of oh, invented yeah. himself. Oh, yeah. Like he had always cut these really passionate promos. And I remember watching an old Impact episode when he was doing stuff with Impact and he was talking about passion and like you just can't really get behind him as a baby face. But you don't have to have him be the smiling, like handshaky baby face. Like, you know, S- Steve Austin wasn't like that. You know, Steve Austin it turned from heel to baby face and changed. Like, you know, he got a little a little funnier here and there, but other than that, his intensity was still the same. And I, I think, I think, hope they don't, hope they don't go away from the, Drew's intensity and and uh, his uh, his. Uh, I guess I want to say his, yeah, that's, that's how intense he is. Like, I, you know, he's a badass, and I feel he, and like let's just keep focusing on that, and like yeah. let's build this match up, you know. Yeah, I mean, I hope the the angle next week turns into okay. Like, I need to really be serious, or Brock's gonna, you know, gonna run over me. And I um, didn't, I didn't like how uh, Brock got the F five already on him. I was hoping that he would, you know, maybe slip out of it, go for the claymore, but Brock put the put the brakes on the ropes and slip out, you know, and just kind of keep teasing. And but you know, eventually Brock should get something on Drew, obviously. I just thought maybe it was just too soon. I thought I thought maybe we should just show Drew's dominance or or, you know, just just one more time here to see how to keep the momentum going with him. But they did what they did. So um, the other match on the other side looks to be uh, Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns, which I think most people thought was going to happen. You know, they they have been apart on TV, uh, you know, ever since the Fiends run. And it looks like they are going to move in that direction, which, you know, depending on uh, will Roman Reigns be able to get out uh, of Bray Wyatt as good of a match as Daniel Bryan did? possible i think it's possible but i i think the the reaction on that long wrestlemania night and and how the crowd reacts to to both characters i think could be interesting i i, I almost uh, uh you know i almost wish this was actually the main event of like uh, you know, a non WrestleMania because I think the fans would allow them to to have their match. WrestleMania just for whatever reason that you know that long seven hour show they get pretty restless sometimes and just you know the, I think this is one of those matches that they could get restless through. But it sh- it could it should be good unless the fiend gimmick does kind of weigh it down. Uh, you know, but you know, you and I are, are big Roman fans, and I know there are, I know there are other folks who are not big Roman fans. So I am interested to seeing what they can do because they've had good matches in the past, but that was without this fiend restriction. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, they'll have a, they'll have a really good match. I think this match, I want I don't expect a title change here with, with Roman winning. I expect some kind of disputed finish to lead this to this program to continue, and I, I can see Roman actually winning it you know some talent sometime down the line maybe a month or two later um you know i think you could if you're gonna do a title change you should do it with drew you know i think two two world title changes in one show i know it's wrestlemania but maybe it's a little too much i don't think roman needs to win it at wrestlemania anymore i think mm-hmm. you know it's okay for them to have something you know the build towards the next pay-per-view or two and then Becky Lynch and Shayna Baszler, like we've sort of been thinking uh, for a while now, that looks like it's going to happen. And um, I hope that Shayna shines. It's it's going to be interesting in that 
Becky as the babyface, uh, you know, is somehow going to have to challenge Shane. I don't imagine they're going to do the opposite where the heel comes in and challenges babyface, but maybe they do. Uh, but, you know, I hope that this does not get uh, lost in the shuffle because I think Shayna has the ability to do some really interesting stuff that uh, no other woman wrestler uh, on this roster can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I could see something where Shayna shows up on Raw and, and, you know, chokes her out or, you know, attacks Becky. So I think they'll they'll do something like that. I think I think Shayna's going to be the one that, sh- that fires that first shot in this in this angle. And then in a sort of a surprise to me, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair for the NXT title is the rumored match. And some of us thought that uh, Ronda may show up at some point, but it sounds like that's not going to happen. She's not going to be involved here. So you have uh, the NXT, uh, you know, just this powerhouse uh, of of a personality in Rhea Ripley, who's really hot right now for that brand. And then she goes up against uh, Charlotte, who is, you know, kind of like the the she's not the the women's she's not the top star right now. But, you know, on and off, she has been in the past. So this is going to be kind of interesting. I I think it'll be um, I I hope and I actually compared uh, Rhea Ripley today to 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 somebody as like she's like the 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 female Hulk Hogan. Like she's just like. You know, she just has this presence. But then when she stands next to Charlotte, like they're going to be like the same size. So I, I don't know. Uh, it, it'll be it'll be uh, I think it'll be a pretty good match. I just don't I don't know as far as, you know, what you do for the finish here to keep both of them. I mean, I would hope that that, um, you know, you could maybe parlay this in, into more of a program. But if you do that, then that means Charlotte's going to have to win the first match. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to see them put the belt on Rhea and just do something big. Um, I think that would be good for Rhea, of course, and I think it also be good for the NXT brand. Um, you know, someone in our group actually mentioned, like, well, what, what is Charlotte? Why would Charlotte want to challenge Rhea? You know, I I think, you know, because they can play on that storyline of how everyone's compared Rhea to Charlotte for so long. Mm-hmm. And now Rhea is so hot and people are talking about her and, you know, but Charlotte's now, you know, she's the veteran and she's not going to let her, her, she's not going anywhere anytime soon. This young upstart's not going to take her out. So she wants to challenge who everyone's saying is the best wrestler right now. And, you know, wants to prove herself against this and show this girl, teach this girl left and take her to wrestling school or something, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot that they could do with this. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Charlotte debut on NXT or return to NXT, I should say. Um, it'd be kind of cool. I, I think... I think they should do tease something definitely at TakeOver and then you, you to get people interested in tuning in on Wednesday to see her her do you know, her show up officially on uh on Wednesday uh on USA. So that, that I think that would be really cool. Um it's gonna be fun. I'm 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 excited. This is actually a really I mean so far these matches are all matches I really wanna see. I think, you know, the problem with WrestleMania is, though, is there's so much uh, pomp and circumstance to Mm -hmm. this show. And so even when you get matches that you want, you don't necessarily get them the way that you want them. Like, this should be like a a culmination of things, but like it it can't be the culmination of anything as far as these matches are concerned, because these are going to be first matches of feuds for every one of these matches main five matches so you know i i don't i it's almost like you know some some of them maybe are one match programs but 
man, like I'm just a little worried that, you know, the people are expecting, you know, oh, these, these is like kind of the payoff. Like these are going to be some really good matches. And I don't know. I mean, I hope, but sometimes the way that they do it is like, oh, yeah, you know, we need to tell the story. And, and this is the first match to the story. So, you know, it's going to be a payoff is going to be somewhere else. And it's like, no, that's what WrestleMania is for. We want to see all the payout, you know, that kind of thing. Well, I think we'll get the payoff of Drew and Brock. And and yeah, some things are going to you know start here at WrestleMania and finish later. But, you know, some things will end here, too, as well. Um, I can see Orton and Edge being maybe this one time match. Cause I don't I mean, it all depends how much edge is wrestling. Right. So, um, I could definitely see that. And yeah, I think, but I think for sure, Brock and I'm sorry, Bray and, and Roman is, is, is step one with yeah. this, with this show for sure. All right. So that is the card so far. We will, you know, we will break down anything that, uh, that, that happens. Uh, we're, you know, if there are more, as there are more matches, we'll, we'll definitely talk about them. The, the news that kind of came out today that was really out of left field is the um, did you see that mm-hmm. uh, Barrios and Wilson are yeah. now out of their roles in WWE management like that was surprising. Um, the only thing that I saw was Big Dave tweeted something about them being scapegoats because the fourth quarter call is not going to be good at all. Um, but other than that, like, I, I have no idea, you know, what even to think, like, what could be the reasons, you know, that they, they are in, to one extent, they are, they've never been more successful, but if you look at it another way, like a lot of their metrics show them as really cold and popularity's down, but you know, they have so many built in revenue streams that really make them, um, successful if we're just looking at you know sort of what the bottom line is but when you think about entertainment you think about companies and you think about projections they're a lot of what they used to use as key metrics to show uh to show their success all those are way way down and you know they have these the saudi arabia deal they have the tv deals which really you know make them uh make them all all of their money but you know stuff like house shows like they're really pulling back on house shows the wwe network's numbers are i, I imagine the wwe network number is going to be really low yeah uh, but it obviously goes up this this time of year too right eh, it didn't really go up as much last year though for wrestlemania hmm. time so as much as they expected it to right because they always oh you know christmas time it's just going to go down and hmm. it'll come back up and it didn't bounce back as as, as well as it, as it used to do. So I think that's something to be concerned about. But still, just to, you know, for for them to be just kind of both fired at the same time, um, that's kind of uh, interesting. And, and we'll see what, uh, you know, Vince, it's, it's not like Vince has all of the, you know, all of the time in the world. The XFL stuff is coming up yeah. soon. Like you, that's the thing that also makes it so weird is that, you know, he would risk doing that at at this time when, you know, who he, he needs people to, 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 to do stuff while he's, you know, doing other things. So just kind of crazy. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was pretty shocking news and it's a big story and we'll see how it plays out. And I'm, I'm sure scapegoat does sound <laughs> correct. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like that's, I feel like that's what's happening here, but we'll see how it all, how it all plays out and who's going to take over and, and what new strategy they have to, uh, to get their company hot again. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's take a quick 30-second break, and we will be right back. What up, listener? 
We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. All right, we are back. Let's talk about some Wednesday night wrestling, AEW versus NXT. We've been uh, we've been following these two shows since the beginning, and uh, we haven't we don't we still have fun doing it, so we'll keep doing it. Uh, and this, I would say, I will say though, this week, um, I did think that both shows had their had their ups and downs but they just from like a newsworthy perspective from like a fresh like wow i can't believe what happened perspective there wasn't a lot of that on either show but uh nxt i think if you're if you're looking at was best match nxt definitely had the best match uh aew probably had the you know i i i think the interview segments were more interesting though the champa stuff was great too but um, but yeah, that this was the one week where I was like, eh, you know, if I would have missed both shows outside of that NXT main event, I think I would have been okay. Like I wouldn't really beat myself up for doing so. But what what was your sort of overall general take on on Wednesday night? Um, uh, very similar. Um, Lowe's has some ups and downs. NXT, uh, NXT, AEW show felt like very just there. Nothing major. Like they have too much time before their next pay per view. <laughs> Yeah, like a lot of some of the matches didn't click. I did enjoy though. I really did enjoy the Young Bucks and the Butcher and the Blade match. I thought it was like a nice traditional tag team match. I thought they did things well. They built up to the hot tag well, and it was a good match. It was a uh, one of the one of the better matches I've seen lately. Um, uh, I liked the opening segment with <laughs> I I I loved it until a certain moment. Like I loved moxley in this segment i love jericho and i thought jericho was fantastic in this segment um the open the show his promo was great this is a jericho champion that i really want you know this like he was he was just you know being a total jerk and arrogant and cocky and then you know it was fun he brought out the inner circle i, I like that but then when they brought out the i was telling my buddy then they brought out the um <laughs> my 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 high school cholos like gangbangers like the Buri- the, the Buriquas the Buriquas <laughs> yeah they, yeah, yeah. Hurricane Castillo Jr. was more intimidating you know with his big poofy hair and his long pants <laughs> than uh, these guys I mean who are these guys I mean they, uh, they brought them like these guys you can't even see them behind the inner circle they I didn't know, even they I were know. so short you had one guy look like Heavy D <laughs> I mean you know it just <laughs> that just killed it for me. You know, but uh, before that, I was I was really enjoying that that angle, and then the rest of the show was it was it was just kind of there for me. Um, NXT had a lot of had a lot of good, and then some you know some moments were like eh. Um, the highlights, of course, the Champa Cole stuff was freaking awesome. 
let's let's stay there then. Let's actually talk about this because we were wondering, you know, are they going to actually move mm-hmm. in the direction of Ciampa and Cole, or do they get Walter in the mix? But they're staying the path, and and this is this is a good path for them to stay on, uh, Ciampa and Cole, and you know, Ciampa lays out all of the uh, the uh, undisputed era, and he comes out, and Cole is really mad, and and Regal basically says, you know, well, you're beating up these guys, you know, Cole and I were were signing. Uh, you know, signing the contract for the next title match, and you know Cole doesn't care who it's against, and so you know they do they do their little thing, and then Ciampa signs it, and then he puts blood on the contract after he you know he beats him up a little bit. Yeah. That that was that was really cool, but the thing that I was wondering as I'm watching this is is uh, the just the idea of like, I, and I don't know if Ciampa's going to win, but. Adam Cole is like the perfect champion for this company right now. Mm-hmm. And it almost feels like it's time for, Ch- you know, for Ciampa, but I don't think it's time for Cole. And that's my only worry with this match is kind of the Woody, like what's the direction are that maybe they have a two or three match series and, you know, at, and it culminates in, in Ciampa getting, getting the belt back. But I really, really like, at, you know, we talk about Jericho, right? Like Jericho is a great champion for AEW and it's not time for him to lose even to Moxley. Like maybe at some point, you know, down the line, he could lose to Omega. But I feel the same way about Adam Cole. As much as I, I really like Ciampa, I think Cole's the perfect guy for this company right now. And I don't really want to see him lose that title. Yeah, I don't I don't sense a title change coming up at Portland. I sense it's definitely going to lead into WrestleMania, some kind of match, maybe a three-way with Finn Balor involved, or maybe mm-hmm. even a four-way with Johnny Gargano involved um, to get all four guys on the show. That could be interesting. Um, but I, yeah, I'm with you. I think Adam Cole's a tremendous former, Chompa's a tremendous former. I thought this, I mean, you know, WWE is you know well well produced, and a lot of people will say there's sometimes they're overly produced with promos, but like, and I'm sure this was definitely produced, obviously. But like the way they delivered their lines and the way they 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 you know you know I'm sure they got bullet points. These guys mostly got bullet points and just flew with it. I just, I just feel like they have more of a freedom than probably most. And it was just sounded really good. Like it felt real. It felt like these guys hate each other. Can't wait to beat each other up. And mm-hmm. and I loved. I think Adam Cole was even. He was just perfect in the segment where he was like, "Wait, wait, and you know what? Never, hold on to that thought." Like well, Regal and Regal said, that, you know, he wanted to fight anyone. He, he, you know. Um, <laughs> the the great shot with the microphone and they got the you know the blood you know by accident but the blood worked out great and yep. and then you know the, you know what a great perform worker listening to the crowd keeping your ears open always to the audience and of course them just screaming at him use the blood and sign the contract because he didn't you know he lost the pin in the ring the black pin in the in the black mat right <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, uh, it, that was uh, that was some great stuff so I, I really I thought this I thought this angle was a plus for sure so the main event was clearly uh, the best match of the night uh you know riddle uh pete dunn what an amazing tag team grizzled young veterans um i now we'll talk about the match but you know the 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 whole thing around riddle all weekend was his his little backroom thing with Brock Lesnar and you know you immediately thought well you know this is just Heyman doing Heyman's thing but it does sound like the Royal Rumble 
appearance by Matt Riddle was a little bit of a punishment just for, I don't know if it was for the, the locker room thing or just him continually bringing up guys that, you know, Vince does not have in, in the plans for him to wrestle. Um, it's a little weird to me because on one hand and, you know, in our in our fight game podcast group, you know, we had a whole discussion on it. And there are a side of folks who say, you know, Matt Riddle, he always is the cause of his own stuff. And on the other side, they're saying, well, you know, how do you grab the brass ring if you can't, if you, you know, you don't have the opportunity to call guys out and, you know, he wants Brock and uh, like, so, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what side I, I stand on. I think Riddle's absolutely amazing and he is so different from a personality perspective that he is the type of character that I think would just uh, be be so great if he could just stay the course but on the other hand you know he is a little bit of a, a of a goofy guy and you know he's making you know weed references in interviews and stuff and I don't know I, I just I, I feel like you know the talent is there but I, I don't know if he'll ever get that opportunity to be that guy We'll see. I, I, Paul's really high on him, so and I still, I still believe this is an all story with him and Brock. Maybe it was just set up by Heyman and Brock on their own, and maybe Riddle wasn't clued in. I do not think Riddle was punished. I don't believe it. If he was punished, they would have booked him differently in the Rumble. He came in the Rumble. He looked hot. He had offense on everyone, and then he was thrown out from behind by Baron Corbin. Now, they were going to bury the guy. He would have took the end of days. He would have took someone else's finisher. He would have took someone else's finisher and then dumped 40, over. 40, 40 seconds, though. Yeah, but it's 40 seconds of looking hot and just getting thrown over because he was his back was turned. I mean, he made a, he made a, a rookie mistake. It's, to me, it's not it's not, it's not a burial at all. I, I think a punishment. Like, if that was his punishment, then, geez, that's nothing. That was a slap on the wrist because, uh, you know, he like I said, he came in, he looked good, and, and he got dumped out. He made a mistake, and they got dumped out like I said but like I said if he took the end of days he took some an RKO he took whoever else a spear from edge and then was just dumped out then that's a burial but this is yeah I mean th- this wasn't you know Muhammad Hassan from the 2005 Royal Rumble <laughs> or anything and but, that was uh, that wasn't even really a barrel either that was just his character and how everyone you know but uh I got a funny story well, well that's not no. <laughs> Another show. <laughs> that's another show. That's a that's a us drinking. This is a, something that's something that doesn't even. Well, we had an APW Rumble uh-huh. that same year. It was that 2005. It was 2005. Actually, AJ Styles on that show. He wrestled JJ, my friend JJ Perez, on that show. They made uh-huh. Christopher Daniels and Frank Nazarian. Anyways, um, so the Rumble was in like March, I believe. The APW Garage Rumble, that's what we called it. And I'm watching this thing. I'm doing play by play on this actually. I'm watching this and I'm thinking like, holy cow, these guys are so lazy booking this. They just copy the exact same angle in the world. Because <laughs> at one point, Chris or Daniels comes out, talks trash, trash, you know, just, just being arrogant. And of course, all the APW guys who were in the Battle Royal all of a sudden dump them out. It was ridiculous. That was uh, Jason Dedrich and uh, Gabriel Ramirez. They were booking at the time. Or I mean, mostly Dedrich, I think, at this. Like, you know, I blame them both. I mean, total lazy, you know, it's booking. That's what, when you brought that up. That's the first thing I thought of. Like, oh god, <laughs> not that garage rumble. So, uh, so what did you think about the match? Obviously, I know you, you thought it was great, but mm-hmm. just uh, you know, just the overall work. And <clears throat> I guess the other thing 
you know, you've given the grizzled young veterans uh, a little bit of, of of time here on on the the U.S. version of NXT. Trent Seven was also on the show, but he was just mostly there to get beat by Balor. Uh, but you know, how, how do you keep? You know, do you obviously they're going to go back to to the UK show? But how do you keep these guys? You you've used some TV time, and these guys were were really good. And, you know, just the sort of the synergy between both brands, I think, is going to be uh, interesting down the line because, I, you know, I don't want to see these guys just go back and then we don't see them for eight months. Uh, but uh, but how, how do you how do you keep how do you keep them, you know, keep them uh, over uh, as they were and, and keep using them and keep them in, in stuff and then also keep them on the UK because obviously that's their home brand. Mm hmm. Um, for the yeah, for the Grizzly veterans, it's um, it's, it's really simple. They have a reason to come back. To uh, you know, I see definitely Riddle and Pete Dunne beating the Undisputed Era at Takeover in three weeks, and the Grizzly Young Veterans beat the Tag Team Champions Undisputed Era as well to make it to the finals of the SC Classic. So they beat the champions. They have a win over champions. So in my, even though they lost in the finals to uh, Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle, they have a legit reason to get a title shot in the future. So I can definitely see them being. Um, the first challengers for Riddle and Pete Dunn, if that's what happens, if they do win the title, I think they will. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, they, you know, they come out, you know, give Riddle and them come out for a celebration or a rematch with Undisputed Era. And after the match is over, here comes the Grizzly and Veterans in the promo and cutting them about they want a title shot, how they, you know, how they have a win over Undisputed Era as well. And you can definitely have a reason for them to come back easily. I think it's already set up that way. Uh, and then just thoughts on the match. The match was really good, really, really at the best match of the night uh, for both shows. Uh, I really like both of those teams a lot. And Grizzly Adventures, they're so good. They're like one of the best tag teams. I wish they kind of, sometimes I think their offense is too big. Like, you know, like the tombstone to the floor mm-hmm. is a little bit much, I think. You know, maybe not for this match because it was the finals, but they've done it before and just you know, a match on TV. And I'm like, why, you know, you don't need to do that on a match on TV or the doomsday device to, to the outside, which is, which is nuts. Um, they didn't do it in this match, but, um, but you know, I think sometimes their offense is a little too big, you know, but they're, they're yeah. a really good team. I think James Drake is actually really underrated. Um, Zach Gibson gets all the press cause he's such a great promo and a great wrestler. But, uh, James Drake is just one of those guys that kind of keeps that, that team glued together. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's really good. And, um, and, uh, yeah. So, you know, it's cool to see the NXT UK guys continue on the show. It's, you know, next week we see Jordan Devlin, their new cruiserweight champion going to have a, some kind of interview segment with him, which I'm looking forward to. And I thought Trent, Trent seven had a great match with Finn Balor. That match is awesome. Um, I, I was uh, really impressed with that match and, um, Trent kind of gets forgotten, you know, with, you know, tire bait and, some of the others, Pete Dunn and some of the others from the UK scene, they, they you know, he's, but he's, 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 he's really good in, in his own right. He has a unique charisma about him. Um, and I thought him and Balor had a hell of a match. Balor is on fire right now with his performances. Uh, then uh, we had Dijakovic and Priest in like mm-hmm. this big man's match that is to set up the next challenger to Keith Lee, who is also a big man. And they had Dijakovic go over here to set up uh, he and Lee, who have great chemistry when they work together. So that should be a fun match. But Damien, like Damien Priest, is a much 
bigger guy than I realized just standing next to Dijakovic because he, you know, he's only a couple inches shorter. And they, and they did, you know, they're both very athletic too. So it wasn't like a, like an old school big man match. They still did all of their poison ranas and all that stuff as well. That one off the second rope was just. That was how did, how did how did how do you do that safely? That's what I want to know. Mm, no, he took a chin and hoped for the best. That's oh my I god. Think that's what what happened there. Um, I liked Keith Lee's promo until Dijakovic and Priest kind of came in. I didn't like how Lee left the promo. He kind of like okay, guys, well, I've got it. You know, I just thought he could have exited somehow, or maybe stayed on the ramp right while the match was happening, and then had a stare down with Dijakovic at the end. But yeah, they had a they had a, a a wild match, and I thought about you during this match a lot. Actually, there was a moment when um, I think Priest actually hit his choke bomb mm-hmm. and had a great near fall, and Dijakovic had his eyes closed for the. <laughs> oh, you could at least tell. At least you couldn't yeah. tell. And I thought that I thought, I'm so oh, Garrett's probably really happy about that. <laughs> Because <laughs> I thought that was might have been the finish right there. No, no, the, you know that's that's one way to get me too. Like if you want to get me on a near fall, do not look at the ref. So I'm bought in. you watched the the Hulu version, right? The one hour. Yeah. So yeah. what did you miss? Did you go back and look and see what? <sighs> okay, so, so I'm, I'm curious uh, what Hulu took out. Or... So 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 this was actually part of my, uh, my one of my last points here, which is so I saw Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai, and for the short match that it was I, I mean I really love the intensity when those two get together like they really they really hate each other kind of intensity but then I, what I realized is I miss, missed the other two women's matches so the Shotzi match and then the Caden Carter and Chelsea Green match but what I was wondering is okay you know Io Shirai, Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair none of those women were on this show Tony Storm and they still had three women's matches. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. Oh, uh, you know, setting some up for the future. Um, um, well, you didn't really miss anything with the Chelsea Green and uh, Keenan Carter match. That match, they had a lot of problems in it. It was uh, probably one of their worst women's matches they had in a very long time. Some communication issues. And um, it wasn't, I mean, atrocious or anything like that. It wasn't Mel and <laughs> from AEW that those. It, that it bad. wasn't it wasn't Swole and Nyla, which may Ugh. be the worst match I've seen this uh, this year so far. The, sh- eh, the short the short year the short the short year so far. might not be the worst, but um, it, yeah, it was it was that good. Um, Shotzi and Diana Prazo was 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 good. Like Shotzi has has this unique charisma, this great look, and I think they're they're doing their best kind of editing Shotzi to where she's just doing the moves that she can do good. So I think they're doing a good job with her. She's been looking really good. And Deanna's a solid, uh, solid worker. So she was good to work with there. Um, for Tegan Knox to Dakota Kai, I really liked this match. I didn't like the finish. I liked the idea of Tegan hitting her with the, uh, with the brace. I think that's great. I would have had, I would have had the referee see it and disqualifier because I, you know, they're going to be building to some kind of special stipulation match. I don't know on NXT, TV or maybe like a takeover Portland, and so I think a DQ is is, is fine here. I don't know, I don't know if I want to see Dakota pinned at this time, but the, yeah, I, I was actually surprised with the finish. Yeah, yeah, that 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 surprised me. But God, that 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 shot with the brace looked great. Tegan's intensity looked great. Okay, Dakota's such a great 
healed as well. Poor girl was just having a bad time with her ring gear. You know, mm. it was uh, that one that that left nipple that Jan Jackson. Uh, you yeah. know, I mean, it's a Super Bowl fever right now. I don't know what's going on, but uh, well, that was uh, that was Mandy Rose in the Royal Rumble. Like she, her her uh, bottoms just kept hiking right up to to like a to be a thong. Like and she kept having to pull it down the whole match. But I give credit to Dakota, man. I know it was kind of a bothered her. I know she was worrying about it but she still kept up her intensity and she still put her and Tegan had a you know great match so um you know for the short time it was and it left me wanting more like because I, I just felt like okay now we're gonna get a big stip match I don't know what it's gonna be last man standing or just a plain old no DQ match so there's also a promo uh, or a little a little like video package on uh, with the numbers two five twenty. So I'm assuming we're gonna see someone debut next week or something debut. I know people have wondered, you know, is a killer cross? Like, what's the idea here? But uh, there's definitely something coming. I think next week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see who that's gonna be too as well. All right, so uh, let's quickly go through the four matches on TakeOver. I imagine there will be a pre-show match that they haven't announced yet, but we have Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair, Finn Balor, Johnny Gargano, The Undisputed Era against the Broserweights, and Adam Cole and Tommaso Ciampa. So this is going to be another strong TakeOver, and uh, yeah, it's coming up uh, what is the date here? February 16th, so two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we have the day off next day, too. President's Day, so stay up late and watch that one. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that show. It's just, that show's going to, you know, all takeovers are just tremendous. So, I mean, I, it's like the biggest, those those takeovers are just the biggest shows I, I can't wait for every, you know, all year. So, I'm hyped for those. And um, I'm I'm looking for that Gargano and Balor match. That should be that should be a hell of a match. Like I said earlier, Bal- Ballard's just on fire right now. He's he's, he's just a great, you know, great good on him for coming back to NXT and mm-hmm. working on this he's this this heel character, the bringing back the Prince and everything he does is just it's just just awesome. He, he's he's uh, he's a superstar right now. All right, so the 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 big hits on AEW, you already talked about the Mox and Inner Circle at at the beginning. Uh, Mox just you know attacks all of them and and then it gets broken up. But then they come back at the end and uh, and Jericho's in the match and that Jericho's team beats uh, Darby Allen and uh, Private Party and then they start beating up uh, Darby Allen with his own skateboard and Guevara with his salmon colored pants and and everything and then and then Moxie comes out with a baseball bat which. What can can we is they do they not have adult sized baseball bats in pro wrestling? That's what I want to know. Maybe it was like those uh, little giveaways they do. Um, oh my god! Like this like a little league bat, and I'm like, man, at least you graduated some kind of decent weapons to, to like. <laughs> you remember ECW like in the 2000s? Like here comes a guy with the ladder. Like that's what I would grab with a big old you know, <laughs> ladder. How can you even swing that thing? Yeah, I know, ridiculous. Um, and so, you know, Mox and Jericho full speed ahead. I think they're doing a really good job with this. You know, the thing about Jericho is, though, he's an amazing star, but this crowd baby faces him in his entrance every time now. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. he, like they sing his song. Like, he's, he is gigantic right now. 
Um, but the crowd, the crowd is kind of like uh, they well, don't true. really want to boo him, but they still boo him because they know they're supposed to boo him. But he's that's, so that's kind of their crowd. That their crowd is just they're having fun, and everyone's we love everyone on the show, and so they you know you know they're kind of with everyone. So I, I mean, it 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 is definitely sort of like a like a pro sports team local crowd because yeah, they do yeah. want everybody to succeed. They want to see the company succeed. So they're very pro, you know, most of the stuff. Uh, and but though the this the, the Cleveland crowd, they, you know, they they were not just joyous for everything. There were some dull spots as well. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um I thought the main event was overall pretty dull. Like unless unless it was Darby Allen in there, right? Like Yep. Yep. Private prior uh, private party um, just seems really cold right now, and you know they were hot coming up, and they were doing some good things with them. But I just think they're just cold right now. But Darby, yeah, I mean they haven't know. really been wrestling a lot on TV lately. Like they were wrestling a lot when the show started, but they haven't been as much lately. I still feel like they missed the boat on Darby momentum. I think he also felt like other than being sensational, like I like his his work. I like you know he's unique, he's different, of course. Um, but I just think that he should be in some kind of program. Like he should be like. Even as if with Jimmy Havoc of all people, for goodness sake. But like, you keep bringing that up. You're like going to will some, it into existence. Just someone he could have a program with and feud with for. It should know. be Guevara. Like, they're yeah. perfect. That'd they're be a good one. together. I like that. I like that a lot. I, I do. I'm, I'm just, yeah, give them, yeah, keep them in that, uh, yeah, give them part of that Moxley. Don't they supposed to team up or something they never did? Or, I mean, they want Moxley to be that Stone Cold. They want them to be that Stone Cold, you know, on yeah. his own kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the eye patch on. How, how long is he gonna keep the eye patch on, dude? That eye patch is horrible. Like they get like, the worst. <laughs> they, they, they get the. They go to parties. They, they, they send private party to Party City to get this eye patch because like that's what it looked like. It was like folded over on his eye. It, didn't, it was barely covering it. He, it was, he looked like he was going to WrestleMania with the pirate ship and everything. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It was like every time they had a close up of the eye patch, I just I just smirked because I'm like, this thing is horrible, man. When they get this thing at. All right, you already mentioned the uh, Bucks and uh, and the Butcher and the Blade, uh, but at the end of that match, uh, Omega and Paige can't come out, and Omega is you know saving his buddies and and he's running out there as fast as he can to save his buddies, and Paige is kind of like in half of a gallop with his beer because he doesn't want to spill his beer, so he can't run too fast, and then when he gets into the ring, he makes one of the Bucks hold it so then he can do his uh, his clothesline. <laughs> I thought that was really funny, like. You know, I I don't know how this whole thing is going to end, but whatever they're doing as far as Adam Page, like he he his character is over right now. It's 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 really fun yeah. to watch because I think we you know we in the beginning of uh, you know even going back to the uh, the pay, before they even had a, a weekly TV show, we we're like ah oh, you know Page you know he he's really good he was really good in New Japan, but. You know, he there, there's something that's that's missing, and and now whatever whatever they've been doing, I think he, they found it. We'll see if he, uh, we'll see how the character continues to evolve. But this is these are generally, you know, when you when I look forward to to stuff, obviously I'm looking forward to Jericho, I'm looking forward to Jungle Boy, Page is up there. I, I I'm I'm so interested in what they're doing with him. Yeah, I like the storyline a lot, but but I'm think I was thinking about the end game. Like, okay, is the end game going to be Page turning heel? That seems what they're going towards, right? But then I'm thinking, like, damn, they kind of got this guy hot, yeah, as a personality, as a, as like a a fun 
top baby face that, you know, he, yeah, he's a little drunk when he gets out there or, or you know, he just has a few in him, but like he goes in there and kicks out, like he's, he's gone in like the last couple of weeks, just jumped in there and kicked everyone's ass. Like he's, you know, he's single-handedly like, you know, the last few minutes won the tag titles for the team. He came in there and just cleaned house and the butcher and the blade and everyone else. So like, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I want to turn up heel or just keep, keep him going as a baby face here. Maybe they kind of, maybe they'll, you know, they always like to listen. So let's see if they listen to that and how it goes. But, uh, but yeah, pages, they definitely did a great job of giving page that little something extra to put him over that hump. And I give him credit for that. And then the last thing I kind of want to ask you about was, uh, your thoughts on heel Britt Baker week two. Um, better produced yeah. for sure. Definitely. That's what, it, that's what stood out to me. It's just, she was just better produced here. Um, last week was like one of those classic bad wrestling segments, I think. So, you know, Tony, time. Tony almost saved it though. He, when she did whatever, I don't remember the, uh, I know he did the, the face, she, yeah. but he, and then he, he like mouthed the, mm. what the F like that yeah. thing. Oh, that's my favorite gif on the internet right now. Yeah. Tony's so, a good, good worker for sure. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it, it was, it was a lot better this week, so we'll see how it goes on, but she still has to wrestle when she wrestles. Yep. That's another story. So yeah, no. Um, and then I guess, I guess, uh, the Sabian and and Cody Rhodes match. There was a lot of stuff going on in this match because they, I think, they had a few things that they wanted to progress. One being the Kip Sabian, Joy Janela, uh, and Penelope Ford love triangle there. And Cody, you know, he just seems like he wants to make sure that whenever he wrestles, whoever he wrestles also gets a lot of shine, and that's kind of been his mo. And, you know, Kip Sabian got a lot of shine. So did Penelope Ford. Like, you know, Arn and Cody both, uh, you know, she got over on both of them. So I, I thought that was I – th- I thought it was interesting because you can tell that what Cody wants is he wants to share, like, his so – whatever he has, like, his, his momentum right now, he knows he's got – stuff going on and he wants to share it with whether it's a Darby Allen, you know, whether it's a, it's a butcher and the blade though, that that didn't really necessarily work. Obviously MJF is, is holding his own. Um, but you know, now with, with Kip Sabian, I thought I, that I like that about him though. It does. It did feel a little bit like, um, I don't even know what you would call it, but there were, you know, there were maybe too many things going on in this match for you to make it like, have a you know this is a believable match or or whatever there was so much goofy stuff going on but overall it was entertaining it's just when you sort of pull back that you know when you're trying to suspend that disbelief you're like okay this stuff is kind of goofy yeah what they should have done is with kip sabian is have him win squash matches on tv for a few weeks and have penelope uh penelope four out there with him and establish her and and because this match when it happened i felt like like you know Cody's having too much, too hard of a time beating this guy who, as of now, hasn't really been featured on TV. Doesn't feel like a big star or anything like that. So, I think what they should—that's what they should have done. They should definitely have Sabian and Penelope as an act on TV and get them over first before this feud with Janela too. And I thought that was—that was a stupid thing. Like he sat there in the corner because he knew they're gonna kiss at that time, right? Yeah, it's not not believable, but from an entertainment aspect for that fan base, that's the stuff that they love. So I couldn't really hate on it because 
that fan base loves that kind of stuff. And I thought it was semi-entertaining, like Janela's face, like when that happened. I that I liked him more just making that goofy face than any match I've seen him in so far. So, <laughs> and but, then yeah. you had the segment of Arn Anderson. Yeah, like what the hell? Like they had, you know, um, Penelope throw the the shoe in, and Arn get upset that she threw the shoe in, which is great. He should be upset that you know she tried to use the shoe to interfere. But then he complained about it so much he had to get in the ring with the referee <laughs> and they get kicked out. <laughs> and that referee is like so bad. A tale of two shows. Uh, this guy is horrible. This Bryce Ginsburg, you know, and you know. But then like on the show bef- on NXT, like Daryl Sharma from uh, you know the refereeing that match was Finn Balor and. and and Trent Seven, he was so good in this match. Like he was so, all like, those all those WWE referees. As long as they as long as they aren't made to look like idiots, all those WWF referees are good enough to actually be wrestlers themselves. Well, Daryl's a former worker, uh, and and so, but he's just so good. Like he's like on point with everything. He's authoritative, but doesn't like take away. Like I just, I mean, I, I you know, one of my best friends is a referee, so like I know a lot about refereeing and, and working as ref, and and so I watch everything, you know, in that ring, and then I really concentrate on the referees too as well. And like I was just, I remember this was being blown away. I know Daryl's really good, but like like I thought he did a, just a hell of a job in that match. And then you got like, you know, like Bryce. Ginsburg, like he just like he just he's out there being showy. He's he's like he's like he wants to be a character. You're not a character. You're the referee. You know you gotta. It's just ugh. and then that's it. did it make sense that Arn got kicked out other than stepping in? The well, ring? he 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 bumped him. Yeah, he shoved him. What's he shoving for? Like he wanted her kicked out. Or I don't I don't know. They they should have got the camera close to Arn. So I hear what he's saying. Like I don't know what he was. You know, I I was fairly confused about why Arn was even there anyways and he seemed to be there just to so that Penelope could continue to get away with stuff um and I'm assuming that's why he was there but like his whole reason like I I was trying to figure out like okay are they saying Arn is old and he's a a step behind this young Mm -hmm. blonde savvy girl like I couldn't really I didn't really understand what that story was yeah and what advice is he giving Cody where's Tully (laughs) yeah yeah it's I don't know this this segment did not did not work for me at all. Um, okay, so uh, you know, still when when you are, are you looking forward to Wednesdays or is that still you know you still get yeah. that like oh okay oh yeah oh yeah every week every week I'm looking forward to it. I will say that you know again I am watching a different version of these shows, the NXT show and the Raw show. I thought Raw was probably the better show uh, of the week so far, though, from what Big Dave said, he says NWA Power was like the best thing this whole week. So I may have to go back and watch that because um, the uh, Aldis and Skrull stuff, uh, I've actually heard it from someone else other than Big Dave, but supposedly that stuff was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I just had no time for putting that on my schedule unfortunately so uh well i don't think i'll watch the whole show but i may dig through those segments just to kind of see where they're going because i don't think i have the time to keep up with uh with nwa and uh and roh but i mean i would I, i'm kind of interested in the crockett cup show depending on when you know when it is and, and if i could find the time to watch it but uh it's kind of an intriguing mm-hmm. idea for a show so we'll see 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, my, my excitement for every Wednesday is is still really high up there because, you know, like my my style of wrestling is the NXT brand. That uh, you know, so I look forward to what they're doing because it's very simple, easy storytelling. Um, AEW, you just never know what they're gonna do. So there's kind of like that kind of, you know. Sometimes there's like a really, there's a really great segment, and also there's like a really fun train wreck, you know, that can happen. Mm-hmm. So you're just waiting for that to happen. So I, I, I can't believe I can't believe you did you didn't think Swole and Nyla was like the worst match of the year so far. Hey, it wasn't the worst match. It would have, oh how, my god! How can it be the worst match when you had that uh, Chris Statlander tag match with Mel and and Brandy and and who else was teaming with those? Uh, Hikaru uh, Shida was in that match. That match was just, I mean, anytime, <laughs> anytime Chris Statlander does a moonsault that completely misses and <laughs> they both fall backwards, and then Excalibur is saying that she connected the Russian leg sweep. <laughs> Come on. But no, Swole, Swole is, uh, she's, I don't know, her stuff doesn't look that good. Her, you know, her heat's not that good. Um, she has a lot of charisma, but like, um, yeah, they, they, they had a lot of issues and Nyla, ugh, Nyla is, she hits, she's really hit and miss and I haven't really seen anything big from her yet. I mean, she had a good match with, I think Rio maybe was like one of her best mm-hmm. matches, but, um, they, I don't know that their women's division, like we talk about every week is just not their strong point. And I think the good thing that they did this year was I, I, I don't watch dark, but I do read the results. And I think putting the nightmare collective stuff on dark is the way to go for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's move on to our, uh, we want flare segment. And so we told the whole story of the Tokyo dome match in the, uh, in the previous, uh, three weeks we skipped last week but uh, now it is time to tell the next story and we're actually we're just going to continue um you know into flair's next match which is a rematch with tatsumi fujinami so just a a little bit of uh, the business notes from that tokyo dome show do you actually remember if you knew what had happened before watching the pay-per-view what happened before the pay-per-view? No, because you know how the, they actually did the Tokyo Dome show, and I think that was in March. Mm-hmm. But WCW didn't put the pay-per-view out until like early April or something. Like There was a delay in in uh, in the results happening and then the tape show going on pay-per-view. S- I want to say it was maybe the first or second week of April, right? Is yeah, that what I it think was? so. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I do remember it being, um, yeah, being a f- delayed for sure. Definitely. Definitely. I feel I, I think I remember getting the results, and I'm trying to remember if it was from our favorite uh, Dynamite D from uh, Slammers oh, and maybe, his old yeah. radio show. I th- I, I want to say that I think I knew the results by then, but um, anyway, um, so the business of doing that show I think is an interesting conversation because they decided to do it on uh, on a tape delay an hour 50 minute pay-per-view which was uh i think it was 9.95 yep and then on and, saturday too and uh it was just sort of reading back in in the old newsletters it sounds like a lot of people had problems buying it on that day because i think the boxing match 
was a, that same weekend and the pay-per-view companies was, was over flooded with the orders. And, and so sometimes like the people were trying to order the WCW show, they couldn't get through because, uh, because the paper, the boxing pay-per-view, like the, the pay-per-view systems, you know, the way that they worked, uh, you know, they would always get locked up. So there, there could have been a problem. Like if you were back then, if you're trying to get that show, it may have been a little bit hard to get it. Um, it sounds like, uh, it, it, it I didn't look and see if there was an updated number, but maybe about twenty five thousand buys at at uh, ten dollars a head. So not a ton of business uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to that show. And the other, there was an argument: should it have been a Clash of the Champions? Could you have got more mileage out of running it? as a Clash of the Champions type event where you have your normal TV audience who's watching WCW uh, World Championship Wrestling on Saturdays and you know could could that have been a venue or, or or an avenue to watch that show instead of putting it on pay-per-view and making very little money for you know for for that show. Yeah, that's what I would have gone. I would have done that route for sure. I think it would've been better on TV. Like on a special Clash of Champions episode, yeah, for sure, and you got more eyeballs on this, you know, this angle, the story. Yeah, I like that idea. And so, uh, one of the things coming out of that show, when you you know, we we you sent me a uh, a an episode of World Championship Wrestling, and I think it was at the end of April. And so they're still in build mode and they're trying to build up this this pay-per-view. But the one thing, actually two things, that the WCW did not really promote was A, the IWGP championship aspect, because this was only for Flair's title, uh, the, uh, the WCW show at Super Bowl. But also, they didn't really promote the fact that in Japan, they showed it as Fujinami winning the title because of the over the top rope and so the what was the hook for the fans to actually want Flair to beat Fujinami because the other thing is that you know if you think about the story that they were telling it's like oh you know well Fujinami couldn't have won because because of you know this and that but it's not like Flair was a babyface Flair was still a heel so you almost had like two heels you know, and the fans are trying to figure out, like, okay, like, what's the story? Who am I supposed to be mad at? Like, I thought, you know, maybe if Flair had sort of babyfaced himself a little bit, then maybe that fan base goes, oh, yeah, we really want Rick to win because we want the championship to be back in the USA. But they didn't even do that. No, the gist of it was on the U.S. side, it was just that there was controversy in this match. Yes. And that's yes. why we're having the match. They kept, they kept saying controversy over and over again. And it's interesting. Like I believe, cause I, I remember this, um, of course when it happened, I remember there wasn't much, like, I think this, the, the art, the episode I sent you was, I think from April 27th, yeah. 1991, that promo that Flair had with Jim Ross on the outside of the ring was basically the only, I mean, I think he did maybe did some um, uh, control center promos maybe here and there, but this was the only major promo I believe he did for the buildup, unless there's something stuff I saw that I missed on Worldwide or Pro, um, but this is it. And, you know, but at me as a kid, I was into it, you know, I was like, oh man, you know, I want to see them, you know, finish this up. But yeah, you know, I'm sure to the you know general audience, it wasn't that, didn't seem that important. And I think WCW felt, 
they they put more promotion into, of course, Sting and Luger versus Steiner Brothers, right? Yeah. Yep. And also, secondary to that was uh, Eligante and Sid Vicious. That felt like a really big match and, until but it But they did pull back a little bit because at, the, at that moment, they knew Vicious was not mm-hmm. sticking around. So you couldn't really put 100% into that match knowing that he's not going to be around. So why are we really, really pushing this as much? The, the one was Pillman. Mm-hmm. Pillman was hot as hell. Yeah, yeah. And then that same episode, they had hit him and Barry Wyndham had a hell of a match. Oh, that was so fun. Yeah. And also the build up to um, Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton for the TV title was really well done this time. So everything except else. For, was- except for when Bobby has to cut that promo by himself. He's, he's <laughs> I like the one where Arn just is just talking trash to Bobby about how you, you know, you're great. I respect you. You're a great tag team wrestler, but this is, you know, singles wrestling and Bobby just comes and punches him <laughs> and they start brawling. Like it's just, this perfect. Okay. Thinking back to, to 1991, March and April of 1991, how hot were you for Nikita? Oh, excited. excited. I was so excited for yeah. Nikita. Especially it was when he when he showed up as a uh, bald headed, uh, maybe maybe a little bit more on the gas. Not like back in nineteen eighty five, but like oh little, my god, a little bulkier Nikita shaved head. That's the Nikita I, I really liked. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, okay, so the uh, the the lack of buildup for uh, Fujinami was just a glaring error. It was almost like. They did not want him uh, on the show in any way. Like, I don't know. It was weird. It's probably hard to get him, too. You know, like, I'm sure he has dates in New Japan. And Oh, oh, absolutely. But just even, like, you know, footage, right? Like, they would just play that that same footage. So that's all they had. Yeah. Well, I I was asking asking Big Dave about why they didn't really promote him that much. And he just said that he just didn't think that they were interested in, in really selling it hard. But he also said that there's a match... Where Fujinami beats Sid Vicious uh, in Japan, he, th- he said maybe earlier that year or later in, in the year- previous year. I want to say that- that's, a, that's like 80. 80- I think that was like in 89, though. Okay. Maybe, maybe that's what it was. But he said he thought that would have been a really cool way because Sid is leaving, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to show how great Fujinami is to beat this guy who's, yeah. you know, one of your baddest heels. He thought that would have been a, a good way to sort of showcase him a little bit. But you know, can can you can you really can you do that? Can you show a two year old match? Uh, you know, to show Fujinami, uh, or or does the the U S audience just like ah, eh, you know, we're not really interested because this isn't happening, you know, on our TV or whatever. I'm trying to remember if Sid wrestled the mask then or not. I don't think he was humongous in Japan. I think he was like vicious warrior or something like mm-hmm. that. So I don't know. I mean, I think they could have done stuff where like he's training, Fujinami's training. Maybe they talk about Ric Flair in the figure four and, you know, he can get locked in the figure four, reverse it, lock on his dragon sleeper mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe get stuff like that, you know, over, they could have done some vignettes with that, but it wasn't a tough deal because, you know, Fujinami didn't speak English, so he's not going to cut a promo that's going to sell people to buy the pay-per-view or, or buy a ticket. Um, it's all in Flair's uh, shoulders, but at the same time, they're kind of pulling back on Flair too, right? He heard, yeah. And he's at this time is still figuring out ways to take the belt off, you know, Flair ASAP. And um, WCW is kind of a mess right here, um, even though at the time I didn't know anything about it. But <laughs> but uh, I, I was so hot for this stuff. At the but I remember the, just being super pumped for that tag team match with you know four of my favorites at the time and. 
And um, I just remember they had this like, this great music video. Oh, so build. good. And that's all they needed. It was like, you know, just a nice uh, music video. It was, like, it was like sad. Like you didn't want to see either team lose. It was so sad. Yeah, the, the music was kind of was kind of downer, but like yeah, it, it worked though for whatever whatever reason. But um, uh, yeah, the other the other thing that people have to understand around this time frame is the Steiners were unbeatable, mm-hmm. and so you you know they're, they're throwing back every tag team. They're beating the Japan's best tag team. They had all three belts, you know. And so, who who could possibly challenge them? Well, you know, Sting and Luger, like like they're you know they're two of the two of the hottest guys, uh, baby faces on, on the show. Let's put these guys together. And so that's what made it interesting because you're like, huh? If anybody could beat the Steiners, maybe it's these guys. And and again, you know, babyface versus babyface doesn't really work that well generally when it comes to this stuff. But I think because of that video, you just didn't want to see either team lose. And so it was like you you both teams you liked them, and so they're pulling at both both sides of, of your heart to you know determine you know in, in this match. So or I couldn't imagine any of those four guys losing at all. You know, I yeah. was like I was like who who can get beat? You know, who's gonna you know? I, it was. Really interesting, and of course, they had a, such a great match that year. That 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 match ended up being exceeding expectations, even with the finish. I know people will probably upset with the finish, but that's you know that's the best way to get out of it, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean they were building to something else. So. Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, okay, so speaking of Fujinami, uh, you know your, your idea of him showing how to beat the figure four or whatever. So on April 30th at Sumo Hall, Riki Choshu and Tatsumi Fujinami beat Hiroshi Hase and Kensuke Sasaki in 20 minutes when Fujinami makes Hase submit in with a figure four leg lock. Mm, yeah, that's 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 cool. I like this. So, um, you know, what's interesting about this show is the Tokyo Dome show feels so huge, right? Because you see that crowd, you see just the the glitz and glamour, and they're showing the press conference. You see Antonio Inoki, and so then if you when you fast forward to this show, you go from sixty thousand to five thousand. But tell and you so, what, though, they give. I mean, WCW production kind of always gets kind of kind of blasted, but. They really did make the Bayfront Center look pretty big, and you know they 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 dusty brightened the lights, and um, you can see the crowd, and it, it did look like a bigger building than five thousand for sure. But just in in the overall scheme of things, right? So if you, I mean, just just like when you're thinking about business, obviously WWE just earlier that you know a few a few weeks ago they have to move WrestleMania seven. From the LA Coliseum, which is ninety thousand, and they have to move it to the uh, the sports arena, which is like a thirteen thousand seat building, right? So, part of the you know the main reason for that is because they they couldn't sell the tickets in in, in the Coliseum, but Japan is selling sixty thousand to their show, and then you come back in U.S. You know the U.S. is number two promotion. With the same main event, can only do five. Like it's a, it's an interesting comparison of how wrestling was in each region at the time. Because you know, even WWE, as hot as they were, they had to move out of out of LA Coliseum. And just the year prior, they were, you know, in uh, in uh, the uh, 
the Skydome, right? With Hogan mm-hmm. and Warrior. And they, yep. they had a huge crowd. But then fast forward one year, it just shows you how cold the U.S. Uh, U.S. wrestling is. But in Japan, like, it's just on fire, at least in, in the Tokyo Dome shows. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a big difference. But, uh, but I still thought they did a great job with that, how they shot that show, Super Brawl 1. So here's an interesting line, and I, this is like a throwaway line in one of the observers around this time, and I didn't really know, or I didn't really heard this from Jim Hurd, but Jim Hurd on the 900 line said that the number one priority of the company is to deliver TV ratings on TBS, so it's not selling pay-per-views, that's not their priority, it's not selling out house shows which they weren't you know doing a great job of anyway but the number one priority was tv ratings and he said the change in name from nwa to wcw was strictly on the advice of lawyers who decided it was the best way to avoid a lawsuit from an ex nwa promoter now i i don't know if that or if that stands you know or if he was you know just saying that or whatever but but i thought that was interesting because i never heard that before because you know when we're kids it changes from nwa to wcw but it's still like the same belt so you're like it's still the nwa belt so what's going on here and they never really did they ever really tell us why it went from nwa to wcw no never they never said it all of a sudden it was i think i think the the clash with flair and steiners when they first started recognizing the champions as wcw champions Mm mm-hmm yeah, I was always so. I was just like just one of those wrestling things where you just because you know you're just a kid and you're watching like ah eh, okay like this is the thing now and and whatever. But yeah, I always thought that was uh, kind of weird. Okay, last thoughts on this segment of uh, of we want flair. Uh, we'll get to the match next week, the match with Fujinami, the their second match, and then the third week we will get into the aftermath of what's going on. Plus, I kind of want to talk about that clash after because that was kind of like just on the uh, on paper, it was like a wrestling dream card in, in a sense. <laughs> Um, and so we'll talk about that as well. But uh, before we do, I just wanted your thoughts on using the dusty finish and the idea that, you know, we had talked about the sort of the history of Dusty and Rick, you know, on on uh, uh, last month on on We Want Flair. But Dusty is, you know, back as the booker and immediately when they are you know, going to headline this very first Super Brawl show in May, they go back to that dusty finish as a way. And we, you know, you, you talked about kind of like your, your thoughts on, on how, on why they, they did that. But what about as a whole, the dusty finish as a whole, as a booker, what, what was your thoughts on using that, uh, as a sort of like a way to get out of stuff? Um, I think I've only used that one time and I did the opposite. I had the heel do it, um, to set up, uh, a heel claiming himself as the uh, inter- APW internet champion. Um, mm-hmm. And so he was, I kind of did the uh, Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon thing with, out of that, where mm-hmm. Rick, Rick was now claiming he was the APW internet championship champion and not Matt Carlos, who was the APW internet champion at the time. So um, I went, I only did it once. I think you, it's, it only works if you do it once or twice a year or, or you know, you can't do it all the time. And that's what happened with Dusty. Um, with that finish, it, it worked really well at Starcade 85. Right. Um, and then, I mean, I know they did it before that, but like, you know, that was one of the most famous ones. And then, but they kept doing it a lot. 
was too much where mm-hmm. it was a turnoff. So, um, you know, Dusty's going back to what he knows, you know, and, you know, and then, I mean, how else would you get out that match with Flair and Fujinami? Like someone you either had to have, you know, Flair become the IWGP champion, which New Japan did not want to do because they weren't going to have any more dates on Ric Flair. And, and, you know, same with WCW is not going to want Ric Flair losing to him. So that's the only way they can get out of that finish other than doing 60 minutes, you know. Yeah, and I yeah. don't know, you know, with a two hour block pay-per-view, you're not going to, you know. I mean, you could do it, but you're going to be sacrificing some other stuff you wanted to get over on that show. So, um, and then, well, we'll talk about the match next at the pay-per-view next week. But um, I I think, you know, if it's okay, yeah, yeah, you do it here, but don't do it again for the, you know, I mean, you know, don't do it again in December or, you know, so Mm -hmm. just don't go back to it. But, you know, Dusty, unfortunately, went back to that finish a lot. But I don't remember too much in his second booking run with WCW. Do you remember any other dusty finishes? Uh, there might have been. I'm sure there are, but I just don't remember anything that stands out to me during that time. The problem is, is once Flair leaves, you're just kind of in a funk with uh, with stuff that's happening because you know, just not not that not that I gave up. I was actually really interested, and I wanted to see what they were going to do with Lex and, you know, who Lex is, was, was going to wrestle, but it just felt, you know, with Flair gone, it just felt like so different that, you know, I, I, I don't remember. I, I do remember a lot of those. Uh, I do remember the Halloween Havoc show. I do remember that terrible great American bash. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't remember a lot of the, other than the big shows, I don't remember a lot of the stuff in that. that would, the whole post Flair, you know, Luger run would be interesting to talk about for, the show as well i think uh maybe i might have to go four weeks with this segment you know i think there's a lot <laughs> you know, there's, a, there's a lot to talk about during this time frame there's a you know flair leaving was 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 huge and i remember being completely depressed about it <laughs> don't don't worry we we are going to tackle that when we uh talk about the uh flair savage match at wrestlemania 8 mm-hmm. uh in, in a couple months because i plan i do plan to talk about you know, I, on this one, we'll get to a certain point where, okay, f- you know, Flair is deciding to leave. And then when we talk about that match, we'll talk about what happens when he leaves, when he gets to WWE, what he and Vince decide, what happens with Lex. We'll talk about all that stuff at that time. So it'll, there'll be a nice little sort of cutoff with this one. And then when we come back in a couple of weeks, we'll we'll bring it back up again and, and kind of go through that whole thing. All right. Very good. So, all right, so uh, I think that's it. Was there anything else that uh, you could think of that that we did not discuss? Because otherwise, I think I think we're done. No, we covered it all. And um, next, what, what's anything coming up next week? Next, I'm trying to think what they are started promoting on next week's shows. I know uh, AEW's show. They seem to have a match or two that was pretty exciting. I think, and then um, you know, NXT. I'm sure is going to have a. Another stellar show. So, yeah, I'm looking, I can't wait for Wednesday. Wednesday's my night now. It's just what I look forward to, but it's kind of stressful because you got to get through it. <laughs> I watch it later than, than I should, and then and, and my eyes get heavy at certain points, and I'm trying to concentrate on everything because I know we're going to discuss it. So, it's a chore sometimes. All right, cool. So, um, so, that is it from here. So, for John, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.